So I consider this my lucky day. Long before I had any dream of having a voice on this platform, I would sit in those pews and every now and then I would wonder, what would I say if I got to be up there on Father's Day? And look, here I am on Father's Day. So this is what I wanna say. I think of the fathers that I know. I think of my nephew, who's just beginning this journey of fatherhood with a child of two, and I just found out after the last service, expecting another in January. I think of my husband and his brothers, his brother-in-law, my brother, and between us, we're raising kids from the age of seven to 28. I also learned that last service, I had called my nephew 27, he's 28 and the season of fatherhood that that implies. I think of my father-in-law, who lost his wife this last November, my mother-in-law, and what fathering looks like in this season for him. I think of my dad, without whom I wouldn't be who I am and where I am. My dad spoke confidence into me. My dad believed in me, whether it was from the track, to the classroom, to the neighborhood interactions, to my very first public speaking thing. My dad has been my biggest fan and still is my biggest fan. I think of my grandpa. We celebrated a 90-something birthday for him last month and what fathering looks like in his season of life. And I think of those of you for whom Father's Day has some loss. Maybe you wanna be a father and you're not. Or you are a father but you don't live with your children. Or you're a family whose father is absent or has wandered far from God. When we look at Father's Day, there are many joys and there are also griefs. And so what I'd like to do this Father's Day is I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over the fathers that are represented in this room. So if you'd join me, let's pray a father's blessing. Heavenly, holy, and perfect Father, you are the one who identifies yourself to us as Father. And so my blessing for the fathers represented here is that they would reflect your nature and your character that the fathers here would be slow to anger and abounding in love, that they would be patient and keep no record of wrongs, that you would give them wisdom and mercy and joy, delight in what you give them to do. God, these are men who are coaches, teachers, jungle gyms and ATMs. They have a lot of roles and in those roles may they find that they are enough for this high and holy calling. In your name, amen. Happy Father's Day. We're in the middle of a series called The Upper Room, living the upstairs life in my downstairs world. What does that mean? It means that when we take these places where we know that we're present with God, whether it's when we're studying the Bible or we're here on the weekend or we're in worship, those places where we sense God's presence and we feel like they're mountaintop experiences, and how do we bring those into our everyday eating, breathing, walking, sleeping, working world? How do we live with the Holy Spirit here on earth? in our downstairs world. Steve has done a great job of, of launching the series, inviting us to let go of our baggage that we might have brought with us to this place um, about what the Holy Spirit looks like or how we do life with the Holy Spirit and look at what the Bible says about life with the Holy Spirit. And today, what I get to talk to you about is listening to God's Holy Spirit, recognizing God's voice. Because throughout scripture, we're gonna do a really fast scripture analysis here. 
Starting in Genesis 1 through 3, 1 verse 3, then God said, let there be light and there was light. God's very first act in our created world was a spoken act. Throughout the prophets of the Old Testament, God the Father demonstrated that he was one who speaks. I take an example from Jeremiah. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. We move to the New Testament and we find God the Son revealed as one whose character is one who speaks. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. The word there is a capital W. The word is Jesus. He identifies himself by his very nature as one who speaks. And then we see in John 16, verses 13 and 14, that the Holy Spirit is also identified as one who speaks. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And so our triune God throughout scripture identifies himself as the one who speaks. So the question today, in my mind anyway, is not, does God speak? The question is, are we listening? Do we hear? And yet, hearing God's voice is an interesting concept, isn't it? Look at what John 10 verse 4 says. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Jesus here is identifying himself as the good shepherd whose sheep know his voice. And if his sheep, you and I, those who follow him, can know his voice, how can we know his voice? How can we recognize? Voice implies something audible that is received through the ears. And I'll be honest, I have never heard God audibly through my ears, and yet I believe that God has given me personal words and invitations for me on this journey. Let me give you an example. When I was 18, I graduated from high school, and I went away to YWAM, otherwise known as Youth With a Mission, and I did a six months discipleship training school where they were teaching us about how to be a disciple of Jesus. And as part of our training, we had what's called intercessory prayer groups where we would get together twice a week with a small group of people and we would pray for things around the world. These intercessory prayer groups were done different than any prayer group I had ever been a part of. Because instead of coming with our list of requests or reading the newspaper and researching what the world needed prayer for, we would come and our group leader would say, we're gonna be quiet we're going to ask God to show us what he would like us to pray for today. And we would be quiet. Now, if you can imagine, my first few times of this strange way of praying was kind of like this. <laughs> God. <laughs> I had never thought of listening to God just to see if he would put a thought in my head. And one day in this setting, uh, the word came to mind, Afghanistan. Now, I want to remind you that I was 18, and though I had graduated from high school, I was not familiar with world politics, nor was I familiar with the tension in the Middle East. And Afghanistan could have been as random as Timbuktu as far as I was concerned. I had no knowledge of why anybody would need to pray for Afghanistan. So I'm sitting there in the quiet, going, wrestling. I, I think maybe this is from God, but I don't know if it's God. And how do you know if something is from God? And because I had submitted myself to the school and I had believed that there were things God wanted me to teach, wanted to teach me, I went ahead and I offered the word. I said, well, I think maybe I heard the word Afghanistan. 
And my group said, great, let's pray for Afghanistan. And, and we did, we prayed for Afghanistan. And had that been the end of the story, my journey might have taken a much different turn, but that wasn't the end of the story. Because what we did after those prayer groups was we would come back together as a large group and we would talk about what God had led our groups to pray. And that particular morning, there were at least three other groups that had been led to pray for Afghanistan. And this young, developing Christian <laughs> went, oh, you mean that I might have heard from God? You mean that that word that came to mind when we asked God to speak to us was actually his guiding and his leading for our prayer time? And as confirmed by other people in my community with a safety net under the listening experience, I began to have a pattern of recognizing the voice that is God's. Because you see, when we'll practice and we'll try and we get a confirmation once that that was God's voice, the next time there's a recognition. Oh, that's how God speaks. And we build this foundation of learning what his voice sounds like. But that might not be your experience. And I want to pause before we go farther and just ask a question. And this isn't for grades. This is, I'm not going to ask you to hold up a sign. But if I were to give you a scale of one to ten, one being I never hear from God, God does not speak to me, and 10 being, I believe that I routinely hear from God, where would you be on the scale? And this isn't a grading greater than and lesser than in Christianity. This isn't for shame. This is for awareness for you. Where do you fall on that scale of recognizing God's voice? And I want to say to those of you who would find yourself in the negative numbers or maybe down at one or two, my heart has been significantly drawn to you through the entire course of preparing for this message because I so strongly believe that our God speaks and he has a personal message for you and that maybe it's not that he doesn't speak but that we just need to learn how to recognize. My art teacher, I always grew up saying, I can't draw. And I started taking art lessons as an adult. And she said, Jennifer, don't say I can't draw. Say, I've never been taught how to draw. And I think the same might be true of listening. Can I challenge you to not say, I can't hear God, but maybe to say, I've never been taught how to hear God. And I invite you to risk looking at this topic from a different standpoint that maybe you've looked at it before. And the invitation to risk is offered to you within the, the, the firm guardrails of scripture and community. Because when we start and embark on the journey of listening to God, we have to test everything that we hear or think we hear or that someone else may think that they hear against what we know about God's laws, his rules, his character that we find here in the Bible. And this is a firm and sure guardrail in our listening experience. And the other guardrail on the other side is our community. Friends, we do life with people who we know and trust, whose lives demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. And when we are doing something like, for example, learning how to pray in an intercessory prayer group, we have the covering of community and an opportunity to say, I think I'm hearing this. Does that sound like God to you? And our friends can say yes, and they can confirm that we are recognizing God's voice. Or our friends can say no. That doesn't sound like the character of God. I think you need to go back to God on this one. And I've had people tell me both in my journey of learning to listen. So within those guardrails of scripture and community, with the belief that God is a God who speaks, 
do we recognize? Because the ways that God speaks to us are as varied as the infinite nature of his character and as the unique design that he's created in each of us. God doesn't just speak one way. There are so many ways that God reaches out to communicate with us. My first awareness of God encouraging me to action and inviting me to to join him was when I was very, very young, probably eight to 10 years old. And I remember being at a church that offered a lot of altar calls. And I remember that when my heart would beat out of my chest, I knew that God was inviting me forward to meet with him at the altar. And I can't tell you what any of those altar calls were about, but I can tell you that I remember meeting with God at the altar of a local church that I used to attend with a beautiful stained glass window in the back. And I believe that it was formative to who I am. (laughs) My next recollection of where I knew that God was speaking, as I grew older, I was taught that to be a disciple of Christ and a follower of Christ, you need to know the Bible. You need to be reading and studying scripture. And so whether it was a teenage devotional book that had a little scripture and a devotional thought and some blank lines for journaling, or I know our daily bread sat on my bedside table for a lot of years, or something I had heard in chapel or at church, I was learning to engage with God's word. And the, the next time I remember knowing, as I thought back on for this message of where did I learn how to recognize God's voice, I remember when scripture started jumping off the page at me. When I would be reading something and it went beyond intellectual knowledge and it went beyond just knowing what God had said and it became a personal message for me. I remember where I was when Romans 12, 1 and 2 became incredibly important in my life. That's the passage that talks about giving our bodies as a living sacrifice. And as clear as you and I are sitting here today, I know that God used this scripture to say to me, Jennifer, You have known me since you were little. You have committed your life to me and you have been baptized. But you live a different life with your friends at school than you live with your church friends and with your family. And it is time to decide who you will serve. Will you let me be Lord of your life? And at 12 or 13 years old, I said, yes. I will not turn back. This is the life I want. I want you to be Lord of my life. And at various crossroads of my life, Over the many years since then, God has brought that verse to either confirm a direction or lead me in a direction, but he has brought that verse at different places to remind me of the commitment that I have made, that he is Lord of my life and my life is his to direct and I am his to love. (laughs) As I grew, I mentioned that I went to YWAM and it was here that I began to have conversations with God in my head. Now, let me just say, I recognize that this might be the part in the sermon that some of you have a hard time going with me, and I would just invite you to stick with me. Because recognizing an an impulse of the Spirit in our body, that's probably largely how many of you came to Christ. He was inviting you. He was drawing you. There was a quickening of your spirit to him, and you recognize that as a way that God speaks. Having the Scripture speak truth to us, you're with me. We're on this. Scripture has long been a solid foundation at Salem Alliance. But listening to voices in your head, things kind of go downhill when you start talking about voices in your head. So let me put a pause on the storytelling for a minute and just throw out some principles I've learned along the way about how do we discern this mysterious voice of God when we're talking about something that we hear in our head or our heart, we feel in our heart. There are four sources of our thoughts because if we're talking about hearing God, what we're really talking about is paying attention to our thoughts right? If it's not audible, 
It's got to be coming into our heart or into our head. So one of the sources of our thoughts is ourself. I have a thought. It was mine. Another source is God. The Bible says that when we become his children, his Holy Spirit is living in us, and he will speak to us. Another source is the devil. Ephesians says that we are given the sword of faith with which to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. And I believe that at least one form of fiery darts are thoughts, distortions, deceptions, accusations that the enemy throws into our head or our heart to try to see if he can get us to agree with his accusation and his deception. So we've got ourselves, God and the devil, and we've got our culture. Our culture is screaming at us. The, the billboards aren't just on the side of the road anymore, they're flashing on the side of the road. TV and internet and the nightly news all are telling us what other people's opinions. We are definitely formed and influenced by our culture and our thoughts can come from what we know in our culture. And so with this cacophony of sources in our head, how do we distinguish which thread is the thread that belongs to the Holy Spirit of the living God? How do we recognize which voice is his? And like I mentioned before, we have the guardrails of scripture and the guardrail of our community. And we also have the ability to test the tone of voice we're listening to with the character of God. So if you look at the Gospels and you look at how Jesus walked and talked on this earth and you see his attitude towards people and his love for people and the things that he taught, you can come to know the character of God. When you look at God as revealed through scripture, you can learn more and more and more about his character. And if you struggle to hear his voice, I recommend this as a starting place to know the tone and the nature and the character of his voice. For example, 1 John says that God is love. And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It is not easily angered. So people, if the voice in your head is bringing up and throwing in your face sins and mistakes that you made years ago, that's not God. God is love, and love keeps no record of wrongs. And you can say to that voice, get behind me, Satan. God has forgiven me, and I am free, and I am transformed. John 15, 15 tells us that I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. So if the voice that you are listening to is saying, you have to obey me, and if you don't obey me, you're bad, and you're being a brat about this, well, number one, I don't think God calls names. That's not kind. <laughs> you learned that in kindergarten. And number two, that's the voice of a slave driver. What does the voice of a friend sound like? It might be an issue of obedience. It might be an issue of conviction. It might be a place in our life that we need to turn and follow God's way. But I believe his voice is a voice of invitation. It's the friend's voice saying, Jennifer, I know you. I see you. I created you. I know how you will flourish. I know what life will be best for you. Come and join me. If you follow my way, you will like it best. Trust me. I am a good God giving good gifts to his children. It may seem like a hard decision, but you will be so glad you did it. It's the voice of invitation. It's not the voice of demand. And Romans 8.1 tells us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John 16.8 tells us that the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. What's the difference between condemnation and conviction? And I've mentioned this here before. If the voice that you're listening to is kind of like a gray cloud that's just gloomy all over everything and it's confusion and you're not really sure what's wrong, kind of like looking for a needle in a haystack, 
That's condemnation. If the voice that is speaking to your soul has given you conviction, clear, a clear point, something that's wrong, a clear way out, and you know what you're supposed to do, that's God's loving conviction giving you the opportunity to repent and turn and live the way he's called you to live. So as we learn to listen to God's voice, we learn to know his character, and that will help us recognize the tone of voice that is his in the midst of the cacophony of the thoughts. There are other ways that God speaks to us. Sometimes he speaks through repetition. You know, the pastor says it, the radio says it, and then you read it in a book, and then a friend mentions it, and you're like, okay, I give. I hear you. Sometimes God speaks through dreams. Um, I don't hear by dreams a lot, um, but I remember one time that I had a repetitive dream, and by about the fourth night, I was paying attention. And in my dream, there was a woman in black who was just mean. Every night, I was getting chased or evicted or fired, and I woke up the the final morning, and I said, God, who is she? And in his gentle way, he said, Jennifer, she's the way that you talk to yourself. Oh, (laughs) That's a sermon for another day. (laughs) And as I began to build this foundation of recognizing the tone of God's voice, there came a time when he started to speak to me without words. I call them Holy Spirit nudges. And if you think I'm a little crazy when I'm talking, it's okay. I often think I'm crazy too. It's just fine. Let me give you an example of a nudge. Many years ago, I was pushing a cart through Winco with a three-year-old and a less than one-year-old. Can we have a moment of silence, please? Thank you. I was shopping for various things, including I was going on a mission trip and I was shopping for Dixie cups that were gonna be for glue, to hold glue for a craft. And I got to the aisle and I grabbed the Dixie cups and I turned to go and this general sense of unease rose up in my spirit. And I've learned to pay attention to that and just pause and just wait a minute and see what God is trying to say. And so I just, I paused and I thought, am I just supposed to wait in the aisle until somebody else comes walking by? Is there a divine appointment I'm supposed to talk to? Like, what am I waiting for? And I thought, I think it's about the Dixie Cups. (laughs) I know, crazy. Go with me here. So I put the Dixie Cups back. I get a different box. I'm uneasy about it. On about the third box, I get impatient. I'm convinced it's not God. I'm convinced I'm just hearing wrong. I must have just had something bad to eat. And I try to leave the aisle. And the sense of unease rises so strong in me that I can't leave the aisle. And by now, I'm mad. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at this process of trying to listen and be obedient. I'm just mad. And I I slam the Dixie Cups back. And I reach up as high as I can, because I'm tall. And I grab the farthest back box. And I throw it in my cart. And a sense of peace comes over me. And I walk away and I forget all about it. Fast forward to the end of our retreat with the missionary women in Africa. We're cleaning up from our craft. God has met the women in in just a gift of them and met them where their hearts needed to be met. And we're cleaning up and we have extra Dixie cups and we certainly don't need to pack them home. So one of my team members says to one of the missionaries, would you like the leftover Dixie cups? And the missionary says, sure, I'd love those. And she takes them and she goes, oh, these are the perfect color. My son's having a birthday, and I can use these for his birthday because they're blue. And I'm sure every eye in the room must have turned to me because I think I did something like this. <gasps> and I looked at her as the whole thing just came back to me, and I said, God wouldn't let me out of the aisle at Winco until I bought those Dixie cups. And tears began to stream down her face. Because you see, before we arrived in Africa, she had prayed and she had said, God, do you see me? 
I am serving you here in this dry, weary, hot land, and I am tired, and I don't even know if you know where I am. Do you see me? And meanwhile, across the ocean, God was giving a nudge to an impatient mother of toddlers in Winco so that he could deliver blue Dixie cups and say, yes, indeed, my daughter, I do see you. And that wasn't the only thing during the course of that retreat that spoke to that precious woman, that God sees her, he knows her, and he loves her. Sometimes when we listen to other people talk about how they hear God, we make assumptions about what that looks like for them. And because we don't recognize anything in our own experience that's like what they're saying, we assume that God isn't speaking to us. But what if, what if that gut feeling that you have I don't ever hear from God, but I've got this gut feeling about how I need to act or what I'm supposed to do in this particular given situation. What if that gut feeling is the Holy Spirit? What if your common sense, have you ever just thought, I seem to have more common sense than most people? I confess I've thought, why don't they have as much common sense as me? What if what we call common sense is the Holy Spirit? What if that thought to give money or write a note or make a call or send a text was a nudge from the Holy Spirit because he wanted to encourage someone? I was sitting in a prayer group one time with a group of women and we were asking God, how would you have us pray for this woman? And one of my friends said, I have this picture in my head of a vase with those kind of antique crackly lines in it. And as we were praying, the woman said, that vase that you just described sits on a shelf in my mother's house in Montana. And because of the picture of the vase and the prayers that came along with it, God broke through into her knowledge of the loving heart of a father, healing some of her wounds from her father of origin. Because somebody listened, God broke through in a miraculous transformational way in someone's life. And when we listen to God like that, that is the risk that we take, the risk of being involved in God's miraculous transformational work in people's life. And yet, we also risk looking incredibly foolish. And is it a risk that we're willing to take? I'm willing to take it, but I will confess not all the time. It's still a struggle, and it's still hard. I will confess that preaching for me is a listening experience. And every Saturday morning of a weekend that I preach, you will find me on my face saying, God, if you don't show up, I am cooked. Because I am trusting you to speak your words as I speak them to others. As we go down this journey of listening, we bump into barriers, things that distort God's voice or they block God's voice. And as I wrap up this message, I just wanna talk about a few of the barriers to hearing God's voice because some of you might recognize yourself in them and it might be the breakthrough that you need to the next step of hearing from God. So the first barrier is belief. Do I believe that God speaks? Do I expect to hear from him? Do I have my spiritual antenna tuned to his frequency? And if you don't expect God to speak, if you're not sure you believe that he speaks today, then I encourage you to dig into scripture. Look for yourself at how God reveals himself as one who speaks. Another barrier is our personal experience. We would say, oh, I believe God speaks. He's just never talked to me. And I would encourage you to ask God to show you what I call your God language. God speaks in so many different ways to us. Sometimes we feel the closest and sense his word and his presence when we're in nature. Sometimes it's when we're serving others, extending mercy. Sometimes it's when we're fighting injustice. 
People are wired completely differently. And if you're not, I'm a contemplative. I hear from God when I sit in my quiet chair and I have quiet space. You, not, you might not have the God language of contemplation. Yours might be different. Ask God to show you. What's your God language? Another barrier can be our distractions. The world is so noisy and we are so busy. And we've got kids and grandkids and jobs and housework and yard work and sports. How do we find time to listen to God? There are so many distractions. And if that's your barrier, I encourage you to create space for God. Put it in your calendar and treat it like a work appointment that you would not cancel just because something better came up. And when you're there, whether you sit in a chair or go for a hike to try to intentionally spend some time with God, do not be shamed or guilty when your distractions flood your brain. We can create space in our calendar, but it's not always possible to create space in our brains. But the encouragement I would give you is to pray your distractions back to God. Instead of saying, I just can't pray, I'm too distracted, take those thoughts that come into your mind and give them back to God. Certainly they're the things that we need to be talking with him about. And you may find that as you pray distractions back to God, that they are released and you find yourself in the open space where your brain actually can listen to God. Another barrier is confusion. Is this God's voice? We talked about this one earlier. Encourage you to test what you hear with scripture, trusted friends, and your knowledge of God's character. And the final barrier I wanna talk about today is a big one, and it's sin. Friends, if we have unbelief, unforgiveness, or unconfessed sin in our life, we're probably not gonna hear from God. If we're not listening to the last thing he told us, if we're not listening to the words that he gave us in scripture, we have a barrier up to hearing the next thing from him. And we need to confess. We need to confess that we are living in bitterness or resentment or disobedience. And we need to accept his invitation to repent and turn a different way. And we will find that he is not silent long. He is not silent for long. As we close, I wanna give you an opportunity to listen, to have a short time of reflection here before we finish with a final song. And I'm going to put a couple prompts up on the screen. One of them is, God, help me recognize where you have already been speaking to me. And another one is, God, show me the barriers that are keeping me from listening to you. You might have something else altogether that you'd like to talk to God about in this gift of space to just listen before we dismiss. Let's pray. Father, you reveal yourself through scripture to be the God who speaks. May we, your people, be those who listen. Amen.